Ooh-wee, Rick, we are really pumping out the podcast for you this year, aren't we? Another one, the second this week. It's back at the Newcastle stand and it's Seymour Mace. If you haven't heard of Seymour, you are missing out. Absolutely phenomenal comedian. Um, very interesting man. This was a lovely podcast. I hope you will enjoy it. Um, do keep supporting us however you can. You know the ways. Become a badger. Go first to strike.com. That's badges. Come and see a show. com slash gigs. Just tell your friends about Rahalastapa. Go to Twitter, Facebook. Or if you see them in real life, you can say, hey, listen to Rahalastapa. Listen to it now. My fan friend. Do that. And then um, they'll say, okay, we will. Stop shouting in our faces. Um, thanks to everyone who has participated and helped us put these out uh, with through the Kickstarter campaigns. And um, we'll probably do another one for the upcoming videos in 2020. I mean, Michael Palin's going to be on one of them. That's not bad, is it? Come on, that's not bad. That's extremely good. Um, keep up to date, rohelisper.co.uk. If you become a badger, you get to know about all the guests before everyone else, uh, as well as many other benefits. Sorry about my emails going off. Um, some of you will think it's your email and be checking your email. And it isn't. It was mine. And I can't be bothered to re-record this, so fuck you all. Fuck every one of you in the arse. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rallest of Seymour Mace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stand in Newcastle. Please welcome a man whose life has been disrupted by squirrels. It's Richard Herring. Welcome, we're in a podcast. Welcome to Richard Herring's Languishing Sub-Time podcast. Uh, it's got to come up with some new ideas. We've put so many podcasts out there. You've got to come up, keep it fresh. Uh, the idea for the podcast now is me and my guests will be submerged under Newcastle's river and then try to have a conversation, just be made to drink the water there and see how long, whether we drown or are poisoned first. It's one, it's one of the two... One of the two, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I was talking to the Angel of the North uh, the other day. He's a, he's a big fan of the podcast. When I asked him how much he liked it, he said... <laughs> oh, yeah. Realised I couldn't do that joke and have the microphone in my hand at the same time. If you're listening on audio, it was really funny. Anyway, who calls it Rahela Stupas? I don't know that's the thing I catch on. Yeah, uh, the squirrel thing, uh, I parked my car under a tree. This is the problem with living in the country the other day. And we left it for a couple of days. And when I came back, the car was lit. We were about to go out on quite a rush, and the car was covered in squirrel shit. I'm just presuming, I don't, I'm not an expert on shit, but it wasn't bird shit. Uh, it was like little tiny poos. And I tell you, there was not a hazelnut in every bite. The joke lied to us. It was very unpleasant. And so I had to go to a car wash and then I was really tired and I didn't drive in the right angle into the car wash and broke the car wash. <laughs> and that was an hour of my day I was now behind. <laughs> it was all down to the squirrels. But it did mean that I got to go to the car wash again later. The bloke said, I'll give you another ticket. You'll have to come back later because we have to reset the car wash because <laughs> I'd driven in too close to the edge. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, and I went in with my kids. My son was in there and he was really terrified. Like, there's all the... Yeah. 
it's carrying. And I said, what do you think of it afterwards? He's two years old. He went, amazing. Uh, it was worth it for that. What a wonderful... Be- Thanks, squirrels, for that. Uh, anyway, we're here in Newcastle, and I was looking up online to find out some facts about Newcastle. There was a uh, whole website that had, like, 50 facts about Newcastle, and every single one of them was shit. <laughs> t- it was, like, so desperate... These are so desperate, and that right from the beginning, nothing. The first one, Newcastle Central Station is the first ever covered train station in the world. <laughs> not the first train station, just the first one with a roof. That is not that good. Don't put that at the top. Um, Newcastle has the 10th largest regional airport. <laughs> That's not worth saying. Newcastle is the 15th most visited UK city by overseas visitors. 15th. So basically, if someone's here for two weeks, they're not going to come to see Newcastle. They'll see a different city every day. Newcastle... <laughs> is this what I've got? I can't read my own writing. Newcastle Townmore, is that what it's called? Tonmore? Townmore is bigger than most parks in London. <laughs> Um, genuinely, there's about 50 of these. These are the best ones. This is generally fantastic. The first Greggs was in Newcastle. That is kind of, Well, even better, it was there, put there by Ian Greggs, and that is, and that is generally true. That's genuinely true. That makes me very happy. Uh, uh, the ship Carpathia was the, 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 the ship that rescued the Titanic survivors was built in Newcastle. That's... No, that's no good. <laughs> Best of all, the greatest variety of ginger hair in the world is in Newcastle. <laughs> there are 47 shades <laughs> of ginger. No, one, that, no one's turned that into a book, have they? So uh, that's... Surprising. <laughs> I mean, how you work that out? Kind of different shades of ginger. There's a few in here, there's a few... Right, my guest this week is probably best known for his role as Johnny D. Hellfire in Zombie Women of Satan. That's why we're here tonight, to see him. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome Seymour Mace, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Seymour Mace. Welcome. Sit down. Oh. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Good. We've both gone for knitwear in this quite warm room. Yeah. That's kind of a Starsky. That's like Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Um, Two old reference for this audience. Very nice of you to say that. Uh, but because he used to get out the swimming pool, didn't he? And yeah. the opening titles, and yes. it was sopping wet. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a belt on it. Oh, I ain't got a belt. Uh, no belt. But it is similar. It is. It's nice. In the vein of. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Michael Glazer. Too, it's, the kids are too young these days. Well, that's the problem. Yeah, but everyone Starsky knows Starsky Notch, don't they? They, they remember the terrible film with Ben Affleck oh, yeah. and probably probably Owen yeah, Wilson. Owen probably. Wilson and yeah. Yeah, was it about two of them? Ben Stiller. I went ben to see Stiller. that. I went to see that film on a date, and I went to in Leicester Square, and I went to Garfunkel's first, and then saw Starsky and Hutch. And I can promise you that is the worst combination, <laughs> the most terrible food followed by the most terrible film. Starsky and Hutch yeah. were in it though. They were. They were in it at the I, end. They, oh, were they? Yeah, the real ones. Yeah, the real ones. Don't, they, rem- don't remember. Were in it? Should have killed them. <laughs> so you tell us about your film career. I've seen. I've seen the trailer <laughs> of Zombie oh, Women of Satan. Oh my God. Uh, it's awful, awful. 
No, it's terrible. Not some fans. You, know, you know what you're talking about. It's a terrible film. Um, <laughs> don't, the lesson is, if your mate phones you up and says, "Do you want to be in a zombie film?" Yeah. Don't just say yes. <laughs> uh, there's not even any zombies in it. The, the, <laughs> there isn't. The zombies are women who've been drugged. Yeah. I know, that sounds sinister, doesn't it? It is sinister. It's a horrible, horrible film about women who get drugged yeah. and try to escape and get killed okay. by me and other okay. people. Yeah. And most of them do it topless. Yeah. It's a horrible film. It's sounding better and better than more. It's awful. <laughs> it's a film that I say to people, because they, they, they oh, yeah, and I say, don't watch it. It's a horrible film. Don't yeah. watch it. And they say, nah, but, but no, <laughs> it's horrible. And they say, yeah, but it's probably so bad, it's good. Yeah. Which is a phrase I hate anyway. Yeah. I don't, I, I say anything so bad, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then they watch it, and then they say, then they get back to me and they say, oh, but it was horrible. I had to turn it off after 10 <laughs> minutes. And I go, I told you it was horrible. <laughs> and then, uh, they, then they have a, you know, low opinion of me because I, yeah. I was fucking in it. <laughs> and I had to, oh man. But there was this whole, it was like film, it was this, like I was basically in a farmyard in Durham fighting these women, right? <laughs> With some other people. And uh, I had a chainsaw. It was a, it was a laugh. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, so we were filming this, but there was this whole other bit that was being filmed as well about this family who would trap the women and what they did to these women in their fucking little dungeony bit. Right. And that was awful. <laughs> it was like uh, um, having sex with drugged up yeah. dead women. Oh, it was horrible, horrible. I must, I'm going to check it out. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, just so you can disapprove it. I tell you what, there's a film festival in London yeah. once a year. I think it's called Fright Fest, or something like that, where they, where they celebrate horror films and they do uh, give out awards and all that. And in the history of that, Zombie Women of Satan is the only film ever in the worst film category to get all the nominations. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's an amazing thing. These guys, these two guys... You like love it, it don't you? He's got, got it. He's got both of them. Yeah, he asked me to do the second one, yeah. and I knocked it. <laughs> <laughs> is the second one better? It's just as bad. Is it? Well, okay. I think enjoyed it. Just as bad. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's good if they twitched it round in the second one. It was the men, the men who were the drugged ones, and the women. I don't think that uh, the guy didn't have the imagination. The guy wrote it, directed it, and started it. A guy called Warren Speed, who's awful. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> He couldn't write, direct, or act. Yeah. So it was. He, he was saying to me on on set when you he had he, he had a scene where you were supposed to throw knives at. The, it was a kind. He was. He played this weird clown, and it was a troop of like cabaret artists. And there's this bit where he's supposed to do a knife throwing act. And on the day we filmed it, he came out and went, "I don't know how to throw knives." <laughs> And then he said, what can I do? So I said, just drop the knives and walk off. And so he did that. <laughs> she kept saying, can you come up with stuff? So by the end, we were just taking the piss. <laughs> and those are the best bits. Uh, horrible, horrible. Yeah, well, I think horrible. the sales are going to go through the horrible. roof after this. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's hope not. I don't want to put any money in that. 
really. The more you're going to buy it, buy it second hand. Okay. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want a second-hand copy. I can see what this guy looks like. <laughs> I know what he was buying it for. So, it's quite hard, Seymour, to find that much out about you. There's not much about you on the internet, so we're going to do our finding yeah. out on, uh, on stage. Uh, you were born in the UK, but you moved to South Africa when you were young. Is that much true? It is true. I was very young. Your dad um, was a gold miner. He was a gold miner Come in on, that's South pretty Africa. Cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, we moved there in 1970. Right. We could emigrate for a tenner to either South Africa or Australia. Yeah. And uh, we went to uh, South Africa for some reason, because we're all massive racists. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why. We haven't really broached that subject. Anyway. <laughs> we, uh, my dad had a job in the gold mines, and uh, there's a language that they speak in the mines called Funny Galora. Because okay. a lot of the people who work in the mines come from loads and loads of different tribal areas, and there's loads of different languages spoken, so they have a unified language called Funny Galora. Okay. Um, I can't speak any of it. Could your dad um, speak, or could your dad speak? He could, he could yeah. speak Funny Galora. Yeah. Wow. It sounds Irish, doesn't it? It uh, does. Funny Galora. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a uh, uh, name you'd make up if you were a racist for a language. <laughs> For a foreign language. He's speaking funny galore. <laughs> yeah. For any foreign language. He's speaking funny galore. That's just any, that's just not English. Yeah, that's yeah, it's like mumbo jumbo. Yeah. It's just another version of that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Gobbledygook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so what, do you, did but, your dad manage to sneak out any free gold? No, but every year they had a thing where they had a, a bar of gold, and if you could pick it up, you could have it. Um... <laughs> But you couldn't pick it up. Because it's something to do with this. It's it's very it's quite soft metal. It's very. They can't get a grip on it. It's very slippy. So as long as they have it that way up, you can't get all of it. Right. But if you flipped it over, then ah, nobody thought to do trick. that. That's the trick. That's the trick. I remember Johnny Ball on you know Ball yeah. knows it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a memory of him saying uh, that he had a gold bar and he said it was on his back. Right. He was carrying on his back, and he said, if this was a real gold bar, I couldn't carry on my back. It would break my back. But then he went, but this is a real bar of gold. That's my memory of watching Johnny Ball. <laughs> I was confused at the time. And I met Johnny Ball, and I said, what was that? Do you remember when you had that bar of gold on your back? Yeah. And then you said, they can't. He said, no, I never did that. <laughs> so do you think you dreamt that? I don't know if I dreamt it, it or whether or he just did it and then has forgotten. Denied it or? Yeah, just Willfully like denied it, I yeah. think maybe he broke, maybe he killed the original Johnny Ball was killed. Or by maybe, gold in his maybe pack. he kept the gold. Yeah, and walked out with and it. And then said, "I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no. What gold? Know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do if I worked in the gold mine. You just need to put a little bit in your pocket every day. Yeah, like Johnny, they... uh, Johnny Cash in that song about oh, yeah. his car. Yeah. yeah. Did they did they check for it was your dad's job to check people to make sure they didn't steal steal gold? It's good. And what brought you back to um what brought you back to not having to go your dad? Yeah. Um <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, it sounded a bit like it. <laughs> I was just trying to run away with an idea and thought, oh, that's, that's come out quite rude. Let's change the subject. Uh what brought you back? Was it your dad stealing the gold? Yeah. Um they just got bored, homesick, whatever. And I didn't have any, you know, say in the matter. You were tiny, tiny still all this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I was only, like, I wasn't even one when no. we moved there. And I think it was about three when we come back. Okay. 
And I Do went, you remember anything about that's quite vaguely? Just about, I yeah. remember a birthday party in the back garden. Okay. We had a duck. We had a pet duck. Okay. That one of the dogs brought home in its mouth one day. <laughs> but it didn't kill. It didn't brought home like a puppy, and yeah. then this duck grew up thinking it was a dog. And used to chase the dogs, the other dogs round. Yeah. And used to drink your tea if you put your tea down. You remember? You, tea. you remember quite a lot about. You remember? You remember? You remember a lot about yeah, this. I think time. I was meant to live with the duck <laughs> in the little hutch outside. And so, what did you? Were a clown? Was that? That's all I, I was. A clown. So was that, was that your first? Did you do any other jobs apart from being a clown? Tell me about being a clown. But was that? No. Well, let's go. My first job, I worked on the backstage crew at Butlins in Skegness. Okay. Uh, I went for a job as a red coat because uh, I had, you know, aspirations to be an actor. Yeah. And the man interviewed me said I was too scruffy to be a red coat. Oh. Did I want to be part of the stage crew? So I said, yeah, all right. So I did all the stage crew in like the Gaiety Theatre, mm -hmm. which was also the cinema, and then in the nightclub. And I worked with luminaries such as uh, Chuckle Brothers. Okay, the, yeah. Backstage for the Chuckle Brothers. Um, little and large, God, yeah, crankies, golden, golden uh, age, double yeah, X. yeah, yeah, and and the, the but the nicest one out of all of them was Bernie Clifton. Yeah, everyone said, you know what, that uh, Caroline Quentin was on, and she yeah. used to work as a, in dance. She was a dancer in shows, and she said the same thing. It, yeah. Bernie Clifton was the nicest. Top one. bloke. The others, were, oh, the crankies were a bit up, up themselves. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be, to be fair, uh, literally, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> But they do do an excellent version of Life on Mars by David Yeah, Brown. they do, they, they do. do. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, the Chuckle Brothers were nice enough, but, yeah. you know... They must have been... The Chuckle Brothers must have been not, like, wrinkled and old at that point. They must have no, been quite young. No, this is in the... Yeah, this was late 80s, Yeah, they 90s, must have been young. So they were still pretty, yeah, fit. Yeah. But... <laughs> not... Well, I mean, one of them's... One of them's dead. One of them's dead. I mean, fit, like, you know... <laughs> I kept themselves in shape. Like, yeah. I've come to my own sexuality. I don't appreciate the Chuckle Brothers were fit in their day. Um, and there was a rumour went round that one of them had elephantitis of the legs and that's why he wears straight leg trousers. But that was never... Nobody ever found out. That was the rumour that went round. Uh, and it was the one who's dead, so we'll never know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the, the, the Bernie Clifton, lovely fella, he would get us on. Uh, there was about six or seven of us on the backstage crew, and uh, he would buy us all drinks in the interval. And then the second half, he'd do this bit where he got the audience, right, shout out your favourite musical, shout your favourite musical out, I'll do a song from it, and people start shouting out. And then as soon as he shouted out, Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah. he would go, hang on, hang on, what was that? So <laughs> throw a woman in the middle. And she'd go, Oklahoma. And he'd go, what? Oklahoma, and he got hang about, put the, put the spotlight on this woman, and she'd get the spot on her. He said, stand up. She'd stand up, and he'd say, what was that? And she'd go, Oklahoma. And he'd just start laughing, and go, God. And then, this poor woman standing there like that, and he'd be laughing, and he'd go like that, yeah, yeah. And one of the stage girls would come on, like, eating a sandwich, and he'd go, point at the woman, he'd go, Oklahoma. <laughs> and we'd have to go, God, God, and then, each one of the stage go come one after one and humiliate this poor woman. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and then he wouldn't do the song, he would just go on and <laughs> do it. Next bit was he, he was doing some dresses a shake and there was like, a like fire extinguisher up his thing, so he shot yeah. loads of stuff <laughs> out the bottom of it. 
yes. Because he did the Fringe a few, the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago. I think. I yeah, never yeah. Did you go and see him again? Or did I didn't. You, no, I didn't. See but it. I met him again years later. I used to live in Manchester, and um, I I got to know uh, Jimmy Cricket's children because yeah. one of them, Katie Mulgrew, is still a stand up now, and Frankie uh, Frankie Doodle, who's his son, was a stand up <laughs> as well, and this he's yeah. now a priest. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I went to his confirmation. Donna sung at his confirmation. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when I was living in Manchester, got, got mates with Jimmy. He came and did a couple of gigs at, like, XS Malarkey, which was a really good night in Manchester. He did a couple of alternative comedy gigs and really appreciated it. And he became mates. And he invited me along to this thing that he had, um, which was they met up once a month and had, like, a proper Sunday lunch but really old school. And it was him and loads of like 1970s comedians and impressionists and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And he invited me to go along. And I used to go once a month, just sit there <laughs> and listen to like Johnny Moore and that all just talk about uh, all the impressions and all just talk about Eric Morgan and Tommy Cooper and stuff like that. And Brilliant. I don't know why I was ever invited. And Graham, Graham from the Grumbleweeds used to go as well. Right. I got yeah. really friendly with Graham from the... Yeah. If you don't know who Graham from the Grumbleweeds is, he's a funny one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he was a top bloke. Um, so that was, it was weird that I got to join that little world. And the, the weirdest bloke who turned up one day, the, um, oh, what's he called? The bloke who played the copper in Hallo Hallo. <laughs> Arthur Bostrom. That's Arthur Bostrom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's walked out in disgust. <laughs> there. It's, it's just, no, that's too far. How dare they mock the... And he was, a, he was a big deal. You yeah. can see the others were like, whoa, oh, Bostrom. <laughs> <laughs> did he do, did he carry on speaking in the... <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Well, do you think that, I, when I see you and the clips I see you, there's a, there's a sort of a little bit of a throwback to that yeah. era, I think, in the way you look and the way you, the kind of stuff you're doing. So maybe that you recognised that within you or were you doing yeah, stand-up well, at that I point? Do, yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. And I do love... You know, my dad got me into stand-up in the 70s and yeah. Tommy Cooper, Eric Morton was my yeah. biggest hero, Eric Morton, in terms of timing and just sure. the presence on stage and the, how naturally funny he was. He's amazing. Yeah. And uh, to, be, to be able to hang out, yeah, and I think I got on with Jimmy because I appreciate that he's, he's a funny fella. Yeah. I mean, and... Uh, well, I, think, I think a lot of 70s comedians get a bad rap. They do for some yeah, reason. I don't know what that, I don't know, I don't know what that was. What do you think that was? <laughs> what, do but, what, do you think, what do you think they did? <laughs> I've got what no idea. Did, I've got no idea. They're just trying to make people laugh, aren't they? What's, <laughs> what's, what's, what, they what went so wrong for them? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of them were nice, nice like, and did their own material as well in yeah. the 70s. And people like Mick Miller, he, was, he had some brilliant jokes yeah. about the trying to cook an octopus and I kept putting the tentacles out and turn the gas off. Brilliant <laughs> <laughs> joke. You know. But they all just get lumped in with you the Bernard Bannons and that, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a shame. Um, but. Yeah, well, Jimmy did Jimmy did this podcast in, uh, yeah. when I did Salford a few months ago. So it's out now already. Uh, it's definitely, if you're listening at home, it's definitely out. It was out ages ago. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's a top guy. He's a really... But, you oh, know, he's, sort of, he's interested in... You know, but he's still... That's, he's still just still doing comedy, you know. He's well, sort of just he's interested in getting out there and doing what he's stuff. My favourite story, you know, Alfie Joy. Alfie Joy's another comedian now works on uh, Newcastle Radio as the morning DJ. Yeah. And uh, he was a good mate to Jimmy. And Jimmy... Said Alfie was getting married, and Jimmy said, "Ah, oh, I tell you what, I'll play the saxophone at your wedding." <laughs> and Alfie's like, 
fucking brilliant, you know. So he had a few things going on. And then uh, it got to the point where Jimmy come out to play the saxophone. He was fucking terrible. Couldn't play the saxophone. That was brilliant. <laughs> so how, how did you become a clown? I have to ask about the, cl the clowns. So you're a clown in Japan. I, 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 yeah, I was working for a street theatre company called the Natural Theatre Company. It was based in Bath, and I, I, I got a job with them in 1990 at Gateshead Garden Festival because they employed a couple of local people. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, Gateshead Garden Festival crew in. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> uh, and we would do we did the street theater there for and, the, and, and naturals it's not like circus skills street theater it's, it's kind of improvised weird characters and shit like that and then we got a contract to go to japan so we were working in japan at an amusement park over there and then the next dressing room along from us were a load of japanese clowns and we got on really well with them and they became mates and then our contract finished and they said oh why don't you come back you know go home learn to juggle come back and you can be a clown so uh, <laughs> I came home, learned to juggle, learned to do balloon animals, and then went yeah. back and was a clown for a few months with them, okay. uh, which was brilliant. Yeah. Pinky Junior, that was my clown name. Was what? Pinky. Pinky Junior. Okay. PJ, and because uh, Pinky was the clown who taught me the most, so oh. they name you. And uh, I've still got my shoes, ten-inch long black leather, hand-stitched by Wayne Scott. Comes back when she heard about the ten-inch shoes, didn't she? That's the thing. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Big shoes. And it was it was great. Had yeah. pro, uh, makeup. You don't have to put it on an egg in Bognor Regis. That's bullshit. Okay. Uh, but, uh, my own makeup. Anyone who doesn't know about that thinks you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put an egg in Bognor Regis. No, I wouldn't have thought you would have to do that. There's a thing where crowns have to put their faces yeah, on yeah. eggs in Bognor Regis. But Very they don't much an English thing. Yeah. Not not not, not a Japanese. Not a worldwide. Thing. Thing. A Japanese clown's different than well, they're trained British at Clown College Japan, which is an American company, so they were very okay. much American. Style clowns okay. rather than Japanese. So sort style of more clowns. serial killers than paedophiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame that the, the bad name the clowns have got. The, yeah, a few rotten apples. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And You've got like it, it and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? You could demonise any, any, any. Good. If you did a film like It and it was about a plumber, yeah. then people began, suddenly people wouldn't trust plumbers anymore. Yeah, yeah but, you know, they do like hanging around with kids. So it's... Um, <laughs> plumbers don't like that. Plumbers, plumbers yeah. keep away from them. <laughs> so what brought you into... What was, you came back from that and decided to get into stand-up? I did or? that, and then I, was still, I did street theatre with the naturals all through my 20s, which was really good for me because it was all short-term contract work. So you'd go somewhere for a couple of months and then come back. Yeah. And I was a bit of a raver in the 20s as well. So I was uh, raves off me on drugs all the time. And then I got bored of that life. And um, I got bored of living out of suitcase. I came back to Newcastle. Did a, I was doing a sketch thing at the old Hyena Comedy Club in Newcastle. Sketch troupe once a month. And, um, and then did a course run by Vladimir McTavish yeah. as part of the Newcastle Comedy Festival. Um, and, and he said at the end of that, he said you should write some material over the weekend and come back and do the new act competition on the Monday. So I did that and then I won the new act competition, which sounds good, but the bloke who got second 
got a fucking holiday to Amsterdam. Right. And uh, I got signed up by shit agency. <laughs> six weeks. Uh, <laughs> so that was that. That then all of a sudden that got me started, and then yeah. I was fortunate. After six months, I won a competition run by Bachelor's Cup of Soup called the Bachelor's Cup of Soup Comedy Challenge. Yeah. Hey, Big hey, <laughs> you're laughing, right? You're yeah. laughing. Ten thousand pounds. I know. <laughs> and a lot of soup, I bet. Uh, no. no. The, the only bit of soup-related <laughs> stuff you had to do, yeah. the, the group photo was all in T-shirts. Right. And you get, look, you could, could take soup home if you wanted. You didn't have to. <laughs> it was forced on you. But that was it. And I went, they only ran it two years, because I think after the second year, they realised that they were just pissing all this money away. Yeah. I don't know whose idea it was to do it. But, um, because the, uh, the final of it, you, and it was piss easy. You, you went to a thing in a, in a pub and you told a joke. And uh, if, you, if there was comedians judging you, and if that joke was won, you got through to the next round and you won 100 quid. The second round was you'd get up and do five minutes. And I, mine was in front of Simon Donald from The Viz, was one of the judges. Oh, yeah. That's where I first met him. And, <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, <laughs> and if you won that, you got a grand. Right. So, uh, so anyone who did stand-up was straight in, because most of the people getting it were just some cunt having a drink and... Whoa, yeah. <laughs> racist. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the final was in London, in the pub in London, that Jonathan Ross hosting it, Peter Kay was the closing act, <laughs> and like and Arthur Smith and all these luminaries judging it and all yeah. that, and ten thousand pounds top prize, it's fucking mental. <laughs> and uh, then I got to go on the big breakfast the next day, and yeah. I had a line of coke off a, a celebrity whose name shall remain unsaid. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I reckon I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you're off. That was it. You're away. And that was it. And that, so I won so when, what year, what year was... I could afford to go and do all the open spots and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff that you need to do. Amazing. And then I signed with an agency in Liverpool, moved to Manchester, and that was... So what year was, what year was that that you sort of started? November the 6th, 2000 was my first right. gig. So, I mean, the thing nowadays, it's so it takes so long to, like for a career to kind of prosper. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you were nominated for the, the Edinburgh Comedy Award in 2015. Yeah. So that's 15... Oh, you were 15 that's all it took, yeah. 15 oh, years into your career. Yeah. But it's, there's so much competition now, right, in, in stand-up. Well, I always say, like, when I got into it, it wasn't... You couldn't do courses, you couldn't do degrees. It wasn't really... Uh, I, I never, it never occurred to me as a career choice. No. You something you kind of fell into, and, and I did as well. And then... After a few years, it was suddenly like I was stood in the middle of the road with a big fucking spliff in my hand, thinking about, you know, whatever. And all these cunts who had fucking career plans all came and went, whoo, whoo. Sarah Milliken used to fucking sleep on my couch. <laughs> Just sleep on my couch in Manchester when she was first starting out. <laughs> Good luck, though. <laughs> Good, that's so, so nice to see so nice to see people doing well. Um, Chris, Chris Ramsey on Strictly. Yeah. Get in there. So happy, so happy, so happy for that. Uh, but, I, but apparently, my consolation is that I'm a comedian's comedian. Yeah. Which means poor. Um, well, that's what that means. Because comedians 
don't pay to come and see me. You get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, you do a show in Edinburgh. Have you done, you've done most years in Edinburgh the last... I've done most years. Most years? <laughs> have you done, do you go every year yeah, and do a show? Every year since... Um, I didn't go in 2007. Aside from that, I've been every year since 2003. Right, yeah, that's incredible. Um, and yeah, it was nice to, to finally get some, you know, that award, that nomination in 2015. And then suddenly I made money for the last the last three years. Yeah. Which is, you know, a 12 years investment. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. But the stand, they, they do, they, you usually play the stand, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in Edinburgh. And in Edinburgh. Um, they, they, they always do a kind of last day prank on you is that, that they always do, happen yeah because yeah. uh, i was asked to do it this year but i, I was right. i was home by the time uh -huh. the, your last show i was i went straight home after my last show uh, well, on the sunday and you used to do it in the monday wouldn't you i remember being up there i remember somebody saying to me that years ago it was a tradition on the last day you know like the last day of school that you play pranks on on the on the axe mm. and everybody was up for it. it was a good laugh and then apparently some acts got a bit of an arse or their, their representatives did and they started to say, oh, well, you can't do this because then it spoils the show and blah, 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 blah. So I said to them, oh, well, please do it to me. I right. think it's fucking great. Go for it. Because um, I think it enhances the show and if an audience is in a show where that happens, it makes it more special. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen every day. Um, and, and so, yeah, they ran with it. Uh, Especially uh, Julia Sneddon, who's kind of the, 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 the one who plans it all and started yeah. the ball rolling. She set up a big Facebook group and all that and we knew nothing about it. Yeah. The best one they ever did was on that 2015 year. Um, I did a bit in a show. I was, the show was on a second floor in a circular room with windows that you could open. <coughs> I didn't use lights. I just had all the windows on because my show was at like half one in the afternoon. So I'd let the sunshine in. And there was a bit in the middle of the show where <coughs> a clock started to chime dong dong and when that happened i started to change into a scrooge outfit <coughs> and then um as it got as it got to 12 i pretended that i just woken up and go and, and i would go what day is it have i still got time and then i would run over and open the window and lean out the window and just shout at some random person <laughs> you there boy what day is it today and then they'd go either say fuck off or you know and, <laughs> Ignore me, or occasionally play along. And go, oh, it's Christmas, and I would go. Is that, is that goose still available? And the, here's a shiny penny. Go and take it to Bob Cratchit's house, and then I'll come back and finish off. And, um, and then on the last day, and I, I had no knowledge of this. Um, I did all the lead up to it, and I went over and opened the window, and all the staff from the stand—not all of them, you know. Artistic license, all the stuff like that. Loads of comedians were all lined up, dressed in like Dickensian Christmas gear, <laughs> and uh, and they started singing "We Wish You a Merry Christmas" when I opened the window, and like Tony Law was at the back with a trombone. Playing, uh, <coughs> you can't even play the trombone, no. but like Jimmy Jimmy Cricket. Yeah. And that, uh, <laughs> And they sang, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and Eleanor Morton was down the front dressed as little uh, Oliver-type character. <laughs> and she was waiting to go around and get the turkey, but I was so gobsmacked that I, I didn't want to talk over them. They were expecting me to do the bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, I was touched emotionally, yeah, so I didn't amazing. say anything. I just, like, laughed and, and shut the window, and apparently they all thought I was really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can see it online if you if you put in like 
Seymour Mace gets pranked because uh, yeah. uh, Ro Campbell filmed it all in his little handy cam. And he filmed the build-up to it as well, so he's going when they're outside the window waiting for me to open the window. Brilliant. And, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd well, that's nice, isn't it? That's, it is fantastic. That's, that's nicer than having a massive TV career, isn't it? Being loved by... Yeah. Yeah, you'd rather, you'd rather have that. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd rather have both. Okay. Yeah, um, Ideally. It's not one I've got other, neither, so, you know, you at least well, got one of the two. Go. But it is very nice, and then that became a tradition, so now they do it every year, and I expect yeah. them to do it every year, and I think they feel the weight of responsibility. <laughs> I think, do you know what I mean? I think, to be fair, they would have liked to have stopped doing it about two or three years ago, <laughs> but they don't want to let me down. And I always kind of, I always make them aware that it's hard it's, to top. It's that. one of my favourite things. That yeah, they do every I year. mean that's a that's a very good. That's a, what did they do this year? What was the uh, this year? Um, uh, yeah, they all at the end of the show. Uh, where I talked about earlier the show that I was gonna, I was going to do, do a show about how to beat depression, but I haven't, so I couldn't. Right. And the start of the start of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Should have thought of that. <laughs> and, uh, so at the start of the show, I sort of said to the audience was going to show, but I couldn't. And, and, and then I talked them through the, how, what the show was going to be. And at the end, I was going to change out with this caterpillar onesie that I'd been wearing and have like three dresses in a butterfly, butterfly cat suit. And somebody's going to come and put wings on me back. And basically, they then, what I described, they then went away and made these butterfly wings and all that kind of thing. And then at the end of the show, they came on and played the song and put the butterfly wings on and they're all like putting googly insect things on bobblers on the people's heads and no. then they all just dance around with me when I was singing Nirvana song dressed as a banana <laughs> <Sing> Nirvana <laughs> dressed as a banana Nuns. at the end of the show uh, <laughs> so yeah they all r r just run on and cause chaos and then run off and yeah. then I say to the audience that doesn't happen every day <laughs> uh, and then I say, and then I get emotional and say how great the stand is and the people who work there. Yeah. And then I nearly break down and then I go on and, you know, don't, because obviously I'm too hard. And too yeah. Hard. And let's face it, they're not that good. Yeah. They're not, uh, so they're yeah, not they're that good. They're, they're, they're amazing. Well, the stand comedy clubs, uh, we are in a stand comedy club. The best. We are. They're, they're the, uh, they're the best. They are the best. Yeah. And best audiences as well. Yeah, yeah. The staff can be a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's nice. What I like about doing the stand is you get free food. I'd come here for nothing. Don't yeah, tell yeah. them. I'd literally yeah. come here for nothing. I had a chicken burger for free. We had a halloumi in it and, and everything. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've had yeah. one of them. Don't tell them I'd do, I wouldn't. I'd do the shows just for the burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't find that out, we're fine. Well. <laughs> It's uh, it's well, you, you talk about the, you know the, that show was about being anxious and depressed and uh, in real life, and <laughs> yeah. do, I, so I read you saying that you uh, on. Well, I've been reading uh, Robin Ince's book because Robin Ince is coming up very soon as the next guest, and he's got written this great book. I'm a joke, and so are you, and he's looking at comedians and that what drives comedians and that feeling on stage. So you're talking about being anxious. He, he sort of writes about this being sort of an anxious and depressed person on stage, and then. Uh, being on stage is the only place you feel like you can let go and lose yeah. yourself on stage. Do you, do you, is that how you feel about being on stage? Yeah, it's the only place I uh, it's where I feel comfortable. Yeah. But there's no boundaries on stage. There's no, you can pretty much do what you want, say what you want. You can be perfectly natural. You can feel at home. There's, a, there's, already, there's already a convention set up, isn't there, that everybody knows what's 
gonna happen. Like I'm gonna talk, you can laugh, you don't have to laugh, but and there's still communication going on, but it's kind of safe communication. Yeah, I'm I'm in control, and um, when I'm not on stage, I'm not in control, and you just have to kind of try and fit into society. Society that doesn't see that see. And I, I I've spoken to Robin about this, and it's 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 about. I, I, I'm not I'm not in a relationship or anything like that. I've spent a long time I live lived on my own for a long time and the job is very solitary yeah. job and your job is to think about things and to kind of pick things apart and you can get to a point in life where you've picked everything apart and then you realise that everything is ridiculous absolutely everything everything we do everything we say all our actions everything's ridiculous and and that can be a really negative thing if you look at it from a negative view you say well if anything's ridiculous then what's the point in anything and that can, that can bring you down. And I've spoken to, I remember chatting to Robin about this and he said he has a similar thing where he's, he, but he celebrates the ridiculousness. He loves yeah. the ridiculousness, which is a brilliant way to see, see it. And that, for me, that is what depression is. It's just like a switch that you switch from positive to negative. And, and there's not a lot in my life that would have to change for me to not be depressed. Yeah. Just to see my life in a positive light. Would, would make me happier. And that's what I'm kind of constantly working on. Um, but you can do it on stage, but you fit... It, on stage, it. I can... Yeah, I could spend all my time on stage. Yeah. Um, I remember when I saw the Truman Show, and I was, I, I was really... Because I knew what was coming straight away. And I was... Because I'd thought of that about my life. Yeah. Uh, for years. I, I used to think when I was at school, I used to think that my life... There would be a point in my life where everyone would turn around and say... It was a big joke, <laughs> and we all hate you, yeah. and we hate you, we hate you that much that we've pretended for 21 years to like you, yeah. just so that it would be even worse when we turn around. I mean, they, to, for that to have happened, they must have just instantaneously hated you. <laughs> like yeah. they met you, they hated you. Go right, let's all get together. <laughs> well, he's not here. Let's set up this thing for the next 20 years. I mean, it would be quite a compliment to be hated that quickly <laughs> by every yeah, by yeah. everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah. Anybody, you know, that is, it's a common, you know, I think when I was a kid, I saw you start thinking everyone else is a robot. It's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a common thing, thinking, because it makes sense because you, psychologically, it makes sense because you you only know yourself. You yeah. can't be sure that anyone else is who they say they are or what they say they are. You don't know for sure what's going on with anybody else. It's 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 interesting that, to go into comedy from that. And it's, I mean, I completely get it as well. I, I feel like I'm a different person on stage than, mm. you know, I think most comedians will feel that. But it is that feeling like more alive, and you know, and that's what I mean. Robin talks about losing yourself, and I've always found it very difficult to lose myself in anything yeah. other than comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but comedy, I can, and even then, sometimes do you ever get that incredible? If you know a show really well, then that kind of it, the losing yourself encroaches, and you sort of start getting the voices in your head trying to trip you up. And for you, uh, do you have that? Occasionally, I never I, really know shows that well. So okay. I'm trying, <laughs> trying not prepared too much. Yeah. Uh, and then I never, my show's never run for very long. So okay. <laughs> I never get the chance to get bored. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was talking to, I was talking to Mike Wozniak about this, but I, one tour I started having a voice in my head going, what if you forget how to breathe? <laughs> what, if you, what if you forget? And what if you forget? Like really nasty, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of de demonic voice basically. What if you forget how to breathe? What if you forget how to speak? What if you just suddenly forget how language works? And you're in the middle of quite a complicated routine that you know so well that you could be thinking about something totally different yeah. but there's that kind of that kind of other world voice encroaching on this safe space it doesn't happen to me no. really i don't like the circuit anymore i've fallen out of love with the circuit i don't do I'm, I'm, I'm stopping doing that because 
I just get far too anxious before the gig, and I always assume that the gig's going to be shit. And uh, it normally isn't, but yeah. it sometimes it is. And when it is, then that confirms all my fears, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, I just can't. I, I just, I can't be bothered anymore to humour people. I can't be bothered to drive three and a half hours to Birmingham to fucking humour a load of cunts who I would, <laughs> wouldn't fucking pass the time of day with. Yeah. And if, if I turned up and, you know, tried and went, say, hey, lad, should we all go for a drink? They were yeah. going, fuck off. Yeah. I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. And, I, and I got to a stage where I think, well, you know, nobody should have to work in an aggressive environment and I'm no different than anybody else. So fuck that. Yeah. The shows that I love now, I, do, I don't like the... I've done my material too much. I mean, you get... It's nice when it works and people appreciate it, but the things that I love to do are stuff like this where you're just coming up with stuff. Yeah. You're just making stuff up. I do a show here once a month with other local comedians where we just make stuff up. And it's a shame that that doing, making stuff up has, has become a bit wanky because it's basically improvisation and improvisation's got a bad name. Yeah. So if you, you can't call anything improv and have people turn up and think it's going to be anything other than a load of wankers. <laughs> Pretending that they're making stuff up, they're not <coughs> fucking making up. Uh, shout out a politician, uh, Donald Trump. Fucking hell, nobody said that one before. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. but I like genuine. I think the I think the best comedy is when you get funny people and just let them be funny. Yeah, I think that's the most entertaining. That's the best. And 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 I think if you're a genuinely funny person, the first time you say something is is generally the funniest that it's ever going to be. So then if you keep saying that after and after, it's always going to lose it a little bit each time. So why not? I would much rather be a comedian who just fucking makes stuff up every time. Yeah. I did a show once about where I just got people to write something on a bit of paper and put it in a box. Because I got to Edinburgh and it, I had a show written and then I, I lost all confidence in the show and couldn't fucking do it. So I had to, and I, it was a week to go. So I just thought I'd get people to write something on a bit of paper and then put it in a box and then I'll take the paper at the box and that'll be the show and it worked really well and it wasn't something I would have ever done because I didn't have the balls to do it but the fact I was forced to do it yeah was really great and I really enjoyed that process but that's not something you can do on the circuit because you know if the promoters hear that you're doing that then yeah. say, no no can you do your fucking midnight train to Georgia dance bit? <laughs> But you do, your stuff's quite alternative, I think, even for... You know, if you're doing that yeah. in, in clubs, it's, it's, it's going to confuse some people. And I mean, there's plenty of gags and there's plenty of observations in there, but there's quite a lot of weirdness and... Yeah, I do surreal like and silly. And, and I, yeah. I do enjoy gigs when... when the, like, like you say, whenever I gig here, whenever I do a weekend here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, 99% of the time, it's lovely, it's great. And, and I love doing those gigs because you've got the communication going yeah. with the audience. But I just... I can't turn gigs around anymore. If I, if I do a gig now and it's horrible and they hate me, I'm just like, oh, I can't be fucking bothered to work on this. Because, you know, if I met you in life, I would just leave at this point. <laughs> but I'm contractually obliged to stay. But I don't want to. I mean, I feel like that about Newcastle, so, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> And every cunt who comes to the <laughs> the worst comedy club in the world. Hey, look, we, we things are. It was a, that was a joke. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm still realised I'm staying here tonight. Um, we have I haven't done any emergency questions um, really all night uh, or oh, and last week. 
Uh, so I'm going to ask one that came out. Uh, this is, I think this might be quite a good emergency question, but let's see. Who is the most famous person you have ever been in a lift with, like not that you got in with, that you got, was in there when you uh, Noel Edmonds. Right, that is good. And, uh, uh, How was that, being in a lift with Noel Edmonds? He didn't say much. He was, no. He's very short. Yeah. And if you watch on Deal or No Deal, he has like little bits that he walks along, yeah. which are little, like a foot off the ground. <laughs> and everyone else stands in little holes. Everyone else is in a swimming, an empty yeah. swimming pool. Uh, and he was, he, uh, yeah, I don't remember much. I always say to people, uh, he, you know, he had an office on the ground floor because he couldn't reach it. But uh, that didn't happen. But he, he was genuinely in yeah. the lift, but nothing. 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 Happened. I didn't no. say anything to him. He didn't Still say anything good, though, to me. Still good though. It's exciting, isn't it? Being in the was, with, with I, I no was surprised at how short he was. Yeah. He was the kind that you thought, you know, when you used to be a kid and you'd go on your knees and put your mum's slippers. He <laughs> <laughs> looked like a, he was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, w I was in a lift with Billy Connolly, like, and it was in, in Montreal. And I hate Montreal. Montreal's worse than any other festival we've been to. It's like a so business, and it's and I and I'm really I'm terrible at any networking and stuff. And I just cringe and go to bed. Uh, and then we stay. Everyone stays at the same hotel. And there was this tiny lift that took you from the from the ground floor up to the reception. Right, so it was just one story lift. I got in, and Billy Connolly was in the lift, and was funnier for the twenty seconds in that lift than anybody else. So <laughs> generally, just did. They've said a few things, and it was just literally the funniest thing you've ever seen. Then he got out, and we went. It was it was a one floor lift. That was nice. So I think it's, that's a good question, isn't it? I think everyone's. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with? Oh fuck, it's fun. It's falling apart. <laughs> I won't go around the whole room. I might do. Let's. I'll. I'll, I'll go random. Just because people all want to. There are some other things we might have time to. We'll see. We've got another ten minutes, maybe. Um, uh, those are for kids. I won't. You're not a kid. Let's see. Uh, what is the worst thing a cow has done to you? Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Yeah. Right? It feels like you're flicking through the Rolodex of cow crimes. Um, a, a cow's unnerved me and chased me when I was doing the course to course work with my dad. Yeah. Uh, but it was in a group. Um, Heard. I believe That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> they just the kind of you know chases out this, but I don't. I don't. They were still quite. I don't want it to sound like I was in more jeopardy than I was. Yeah. It wasn't. Much, but I did have a friend who whose car was jumped on by a cow. Really. Yeah. <laughs> and it made the local papers. It made wow. the Evening Chronicle. Was the um, cow trying to jump over the moon or so? What was going on? I don't know on? what it was doing. It was definitely, <laughs> he was driving along. Yeah. This, suddenly, this cow landed on his bonnet. Fucking hell. Bang, that was it. I know the cow was doing a dare. The other cow was a dog. Go on, Terry, no. <laughs> but, uh... see, let's see what else I've got for you. Um, what is the scariest thing that's ever happened to you in a B&B? I'm not just trying to find your scary stories. <laughs> you must have. Do you, do you ever stay in bed and breakfast when yeah, you're on the road? In, uh, I have stayed in bed and breakfast. Have you stayed in any creepy ones with dolls? And I've had ones with like <laughs> loads of dolls. Uh, not really. I think I, I stayed in one in London that was horrible, where everything was like chained to the floor and that. Right. Yeah, that's just London. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the way things are down there. <laughs> because sometimes people from the north come down there, and uh, we have to protect. Uh, we have to protect our stuff. <laughs> 
But uh, nothing creepy, uh, really. No. I've always had quite a nice experience in okay. B&Bs. Um, I don't believe in ghosts and stuff like that. I, so. was, gonna, I was just about to ask if you've ever seen a ghost, and that's, that's quite yeah. spooky that you would say that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, ghosts are not. No, no, ghosts. Never seen a ghost? No, I've seen them on telly and that. Yeah, me too, yeah. That doesn't mean they're real. There's, there's loads of yeah, ghost, yeah. Ghostbusters if you want to see some. Watch that. There's loads. Ghostbusters 2, there's something in that. The, the woman Ghostbusters, there's something in that. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know. Women, in a way, are they're the scariest <laughs> ghosts of all, aren't they? They are, yeah. They are in my life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I no. like uh, my favourite song is about uh, mentioning the ghost. Oh, that's uh, by uh, by a Canadian folk singer called okay. Gordon Lightfoot. Oh yeah, it rings it's called a bell. if you could read my mind. Yeah, check Oops. it out. I will. You just did. And this is one I've been asking uh, recently: is if you could have any one item from any art gallery or museum in the world, and they let you take it home and keep it, is there anything you would like to keep from a museum or an art gallery? It can be anything. It's your, you belong to you. I'd have that half a cow. Yeah, from Dame, <laughs> that Damien Hurst. See if I can find who's got the other half. <laughs> Set a it could be, it could be, if you find the other half, you, know, you like find When you get them lockets, which are like the <laughs> yeah, half a half, yeah. and you have half and I have half. But you'd be carrying and that cow around. And then one day, yeah. oh, yeah. Come round, oh no, it's, it's it a different cow. cow. jumped on my <laughs> mate's <laughs> car. Yeah. And let's go. I'll go very. If you had, if you could have a finger that could travel through time, I'm not even going to do the other half. What would you do? What would you, if you, your finger can travel forwards, backwards? You can stay in the present if you want, but that's just your finger. Right. Uh, if you, you can just poke anything in the past, you, your finger goes through into the past or the future. You can right. still control it and see what's going on, but you can slightly alter fate. What would you do? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A... Uh, yeah. Um... Is there anything you'd like to change in history which could be changed with one finger? <laughs> or just that you'd like to do with your finger in time? Yeah. I might poke... Um, who's the poet who wrote I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud? Wordsworth. I might slap him across yeah. the head just as he's writing that. <laughs> Got a problem with uh, well, daffodils? Well, I don't think clouds are lonely. <laughs> There's fucking hundreds of them. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. I'm lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be a cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Somebody said to you... Do you want to be a clown <laughs> for an hour? Most people would, wouldn't they? Most people. They would. <laughs> so look, we're gonna. Oh man, well we're gonna have to wrap up in a second. It's been lots of fun. Oh, let's oh. stay all night. <laughs> Yay! Um, there's a, there was a, there was things we, you know, there was things I was gonna ask you, uh, but. Um, uh, Let's quit. Well, let, I just want to say that one of your DVDs is available at gofasterstrike.com. And people it should, is, is it yeah. just one or two? There's one at the moment another called uh, Shit Title, and there's uh, going to be another one coming out of last year's show, which was called Seymour Mace Gets Sucked Off by God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil the ending. No. Um, <laughs> 
what God said. And uh, he... yeah. So that'll be available when I've bothered me asked to watch it and tell him yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's been filmed. So yeah, yeah. So and that's a download yeah. DVD. If you want a yeah. DVD, if you like DVDs, I've got some DVDs. If you like DVDs, <laughs> um, and you, well, you you do quite a lot. You did a show called Testamental, which was about I did do a which show was about, was about the Bible. Bible, which is yeah. I've done I've done stuff about the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And we had a great uh, professor in Exeter called Professor Francesca. <sighs> I thought I was going to be able to do this. Right. Stavrakapulu. Oh, I think that's her name. Yeah. Uh, and she, which, I mean, she's really deeply into the Bible. Right. Was coming up with all the kind of weird shit. Was it because you, you hadn't read the Bible and then you read the Bible for I the show? I read the Bible. I read it for sure. And uh, just to see how ridiculous it all was. Yeah. And it is. What was, your, what was your most, what's your, you consider the most ridiculous thing in the Bible? Well, I like the story of Job. Yeah. It reminded me of the film Trading Places. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, like, God and the devil as the two brothers yeah. who own the company, and then, like, Eddie Murphy is, like, Job. Yeah. Because basically, God and the devil have a... The devil turns up and says... And God's like, look at Job, he fucking loves me. <laughs> and the devil's like, because he loves you, he's God at all. Sheep, wives... And then God's like, well, I could take all that off him and he'd still love us. And the devil's like, go on then. God's like, I will. And the devil's like, right, go on then. And God's like, I fucking will. I'll show you the devil. And then God's like, right, I will then. And then eventually (laughs) takes everything off Job until Job is left as naked, mad, dribbling fucking idiot by the side of the road eating rocks. but still believes in God. (laughs) And God says to the devil, there you go, and gets his tenor. (laughs) And and then you say to Christians, that's a bit fucking harsh, isn't it? And then they go, oh yeah, but then he had a good life after that. And that's no fucking justification, is it? (laughs) It's like me keeping some cunt locked in my cellar and treating them like shit for a year, and then saying, well, here's 10 grand, have a nice life. just don't get it. Don't get God. He's a prick. He's, a, he's, he's a an prick. arsehole. Yeah. He chilled out a bit once he had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Old Testament, what a cunt. Yeah. Well, it's amazing people, uh, people who believe in it don't really read. I mean, it's hard. To, it's a hard read, but it's... Yeah, people, well, people don't most of it is, is a fucking list of who begat who. It is. It? Well, I can tell you all about that. Uh, <laughs> I really. <laughs> can you do it? I can do it. Let's let's have a let's have a begat off. No, I fucking didn't. Uh, I've forgotten. I've deliberately forgotten who begat who. I just know there's loads of it. There is loads of. I know it. I, that's, that was my. I learned it all, and I can do it forwards and backwards. Ah, fuck that. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but no one can steal that routine. That's what I like about it. <laughs> And if they can, they can fucking have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, we're going to have to wrap up. You're here doing your show. I'm doing my show on Sunday, the day after tomorrow. I'm doing this year's Edinburgh show. Seymour Mace is my name. Climb up my nose and sit in my brain. Yeah. Um, and you're going to carry on doing the Fringe every year? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I've just started a degree, a drama yeah, degree you, oh, at Northumbria wow. University. Okay. So if you see me around the campus... Don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling as it is. Um, 
So yeah, I'm doing that on Sunday. If you want to come to that, it's really funny. Yeah. And I'm in it. It's good. You don't, you're going to do more acting. You were in Ideal, though. We didn't even get that. That. that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I'd love to do more. That's kind of why I'm doing this degree. Yeah. It's because uh, I'd rather do acting work. I'm a bit sick of the trips and around doing the circuit. But I, I, I'm terrible at managing my own career. Mm. So I figured three years of doing a degree was a, the best way to get myself known as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to university or get a student loan, which is more than I make doing stand-up. So... <laughs> Sarah Milligan slept on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, keep on doing what you're doing. You're a fantastic comedian. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Seymour Mays! I'll be upstairs if you want to say hello. Thank you very much. with me which and my guest Seymour Mace thank you to Pest the music remains excellent I'd like to thank everyone at the stand Newcastle which even since last time I know it's only been a couple of days but it still continues to be the best stand up venue that uh, you can hope to perform at certainly in the United Kingdom uh, the stand the stand Edinburgh the stand Glasgow they're all good ones go and watch some comedy there you will not be disappointed thank you to uh, go for the strike for seven not that one or the usual crew I'm indebted to my producer and tour manager Jane Kingley I'm more indebted to the serious producer Ben Walker uh, and of course I'm supremely uh, indebted that's the word to my executive producer Colin Anderton uh, we call him James after James Anderton the, the former Deputy Commissioner of the Manchester Police Force, I want to say, who came out against uh, Clause 28, I think, in about 1987. Might have got those details wrong, but that's his nickname anyway. He loves it. He doesn't mind. He's, he's, he's very, he's personally very accepting of uh, the lesbian and gay and bisexual and transgender community. So well done to Colin. I hope so anyway, otherwise I'm taking his name off. Yeah, this is a fast go fast to strike and Sky Potato production. Thanks very much for listening. You know where to go, rahalasquad.co.uk. You can find out lots more about this. Why not become a monthly badger? Look, why not do it? Three pounds a month, five pounds a month if you want, 10 pounds a month if you want, 100 pounds a month if you want. It will just help us make more podcasts. But if you don't want to do that, just please tell your friends about the podcasts. Uh, and just by listening to them, they will be helping us out. So spread the word, my friends, my fine friends.